0: Westfall rolled it in front, Sanderson tried a shot that was wide and keen, and cleared it, but not out. Bobby Orr, behind the net Sanderson to Sanderson, Orr! Bobby Orr! Scores, and the Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup! Orr. Bruins Diehards presents Clawing Through History. Hello out there. It's hockey night tonight. Tension grows, the whistle blows, and the puck goes down the ice. The goalie jumps and the players bump and the fans all go insane. Someone roars, Bobby scores at the good old hockey game. Oh, the good old hockey game is the best game you can name. On today's episode, Bobby Orr, Team Canada, and the agent that ruined it all. In Boston hockey lore, Bobby Orr stands alone as the most popular figure in the history of the sport in this city. He played for the Bruins from 1966 to 1976, and his list of hardware is long, but I think it's worth mentioning all of them just so we can really express how good he actually was. He's a two-time Stanley Cup champion. He won the Hart Trophy three times in 70, 71, and 72. He won the Conn Smythe Trophy in both Stanley Cup runs in 70 and 72. He won eight yes, eight consecutive Norris trophies as the league's best defenseman. He won the Art Ross as the league leader in points three times in 69, 70, and 75, and two of those he also led the league in scoring as a defenseman. In 1967, as a rookie, he won the Calder Trophy, and the players voted him as the winner of the Ted Lindsay Award in 1975. He also won a number of other awards for sportsmanship and just being an all-around incredible guy. If you walk into any sports bar within 200 miles of Boston, you'll see the famous picture of him flying through the air after potting the Stanley Cup winning goal in the 1970 Stanley Cup Final against St. Louis. You know, back when the Bruins could beat St. Louis in a final. I never got to see Orr play, but I've heard first-hand accounts of people who witnessed him in person. And the first thing everyone always mentions is his skating ability. The guy would go end-to-end with the puck before burying it. Defensemen weren't supposed to play like that. There's always that question of whether the greats of the past could play in today's game, and I honestly think Orr could have. I mean, you don't get defensemen like Eric Carlson without Bobby Orr. Orr's on-ice heroics are stuff of legends. But for this story, we're going to focus on the tail end of his career. Believe it or not, Orr was the first player in NHL history to have his contract negotiated by an agent. And as we'll come to learn, that wasn't really a good thing. As far as the Bruins were concerned, Orr would wear the spoke be for life, and coming into 1976, they still seemed to feel the same way. Problems with his knee were beginning to creep into his game in the mid-70s, but he still managed to be named MVP of the Canada Cup in 1976. In researching the story and looking more into international tournaments in the 1970s, there was one significant name that kept coming up, Alan Eagleson. Eagleson would be a massive figure in the sport for years to come, but more on him later. The 1976 Canada Cup was the first tournament in which professional players on each team played against each other representing their home country. But let's back up a second. Prior to 1970, the Canadian Amateur Hockey Association had been complaining for years that they were at a disadvantage in international tournaments because NHL players were not allowed to compete. And obviously, all the best players in Canada were all playing in the NHL. This all came to head in the 1970 World Championship. International Ice Hockey Federation President, Bunny Ahern took back his original promise that said up to nine professional players would be allowed to compete in the tournament. Canada, angered by this decision, withdrew their country from competition and the nation of hockey wouldn't compete. You see, Canada felt pretty strongly that they had the best players in the world and they wanted to prove it. So in 1972, they got their wish. Sort of. The Summit Series of 72 would be the first time that the Soviet national team would compete against the Canadian national team with NHL players. Bobby Orr's role in this series was pretty much non-existent. An injury to his knee would force him to sit out the entire series, although he still went to team practices. Canada still felt that they would win the tournament easily. But despite the sport of hockey not being officially introduced in the Soviet Union until the 1940s, the Soviets proved they could play at the same level or better than their Canadian rivals. They opened the tournament with a 7-3 victory in game one, shocking most of the Canadian media and hockey world. One could argue that the Bruins had two of the best players on Team Canada, the first being Orr, who ended up not playing, and the second being Phil Esposito. The series turned ugly. Dirty play came from both sides, but the worst moment came from a slash by Bobby Clark on the Soviets' best player, Valerie Karlamov. You can take the player out of Philly, but you can't take the Philly out of the player. The Canadians may have been victorious, but it certainly didn't come with ease, as the members of the media had predicted prior to the series. The low point in that series came in game Four when Team Canada was booed by their own countrymen after losing the game 5-3. Bruins center Phil Esposito had this to say after the game. For the people across Canada, we tried, we did our best, and uh, for the people that boo us, jeez, I'm really, I, all of us guys are really disheartened and we're disillusioned and we're disappointed in some of the people, we cannot believe the bad press we've got, uh, the, the booing we've gotten in our own buildings. And if, if, if the Russians boo their, their players, if the fans, if Russians boo their players like some of the Canadian fans, I'm not saying all of them, some of them booed us, then I'll come back and I'll apologize to each one of the Canadians. But I don't think they will. I'm really, really, I'm really disappointed. I am completely disappointed. I cannot believe it. Some of our guys are really, really down in the dumps. We know, we're trying, look the hell, I mean we're, we're doing the best we can and uh, they got a good team and let's face facts, but uh, it doesn't mean that we're not giving it our hundred and fifty percent because we certainly are. But 1976 was different. The 1976 Canada Cup included more than just Team Canada and the Soviet Union. Canada, Czechoslovakia, the Soviet Union, Sweden, the United States, and Finland all participated in the tournament. For the first time in the history of the sport, there was a true best versus best international hockey tournament, and this time, Bobby Orr would play. It would become Orr's last great on ice masterpiece. I'm going to fast forward for a second. Team Canada ended up winning this tournament. That June, Orr had signed a massive contract with the Chicago Blackhawks. It was devastating and unexpected for Bruins fans. The Bruins wanted to keep Orr, and the fans wanted him there. Underneath the shock of Bobby leaving, something more sinister was happening. Remember Alan Eagleson? The reason I've been talking about the Canada Cup in 76 isn't just to mention Orr winning MVP. The Canada Cup was actually organized by Alan Eagleson. During the early part of the 1970s, Eagleson was beginning to make a name for himself in the sport of hockey. He was a big promoter of the 1972 Summit Series and campaigned hard to have professional players compete in international play. And it seemed at that moment in time that he had the player's best interests at heart. What's even more interesting is that Eagleson had a huge hand in creating the NHLPA. A couple of quick side notes: Eagleson didn't invent the idea of the NHL Players Association. It was actually formed a decade earlier by Ted Lindsay of the Detroit Red Wings and Doug Harvey of the Montreal Canadiens. The owners didn't like the idea of a union and decided to do everything they could to crush it, and that included trading players who were involved and even burying them in the minor leagues. And after a court settlement, the union was disbanded. And then nearly 10 years went by. Enter Alan Eagleson. You see, he was probably the most powerful man in hockey at that time. He organized two major world tournaments, was the director of Hockey Canada, owned a law firm that represented nearly 150 NHL players, and would become the executive director of the new NHLPA. Oh, and he was also Bobby Orr's agent. And no one expected Orr to hit free agency in July of 1976 except Eagleson. Despite the fact that Bobby Orr had only played in 10 games in the 1975-1976 season, he would still be the biggest free agent on the market, and one team that wanted him was the Chicago Blackhawks. At that time, Chicago found themselves in a 15-year Stanley Cup drought. Bill Wirtz was the owner of the Chicago Blackhawks and chairman of the NHL Board of Governors, and he wanted Orr to play in Chicago. The Hawks had finished the 75-76 season strong at the top of their division, but weren't able to capture the cup. Wurtz figured a player of Orr's caliber could change that, and I guess he wasn't concerned about the knee issues Orr was facing. And aside from being the owner of the Hawks, Wirtz was also a close personal friend of Alan Eagleson. At that time, Orr had no intention of leaving Boston. In fact, he knew this would probably be his last contract extension, which is wild to think about, because in 1975, Bobby Orr was only 27 years old. So when contract talks began in late 75, Orr wasn't really involved. They figured his agent would take care of it, and they had his best interest at heart. But unfortunately, that wasn't the case. Bruins wanted Bobby Orr to stay. He was the face of the franchise, the biggest name in the sport, and as Stan Fischler put it in his article about the subject, Orr was as much a fixture in Boston as Bunker Hill. In fact, they wanted him back so much, they gave him an offer that included an incredible 18.5% ownership stake in the team. Eagleson rejected the offer. So on June 24, 1976, Bobby Orr signed a multi-million dollar contract with the Chicago Blackhawks. Orr had been in the dark about the Bruins' incredible offer. He said later, I believed Al. I trusted him. I kept telling him I wanted to stay with the Bruins, and he kept saying, Bobby, Chicago is the one that's guaranteeing you $3 million. Boston hasn't made anywhere near that kind of offer. But of course they did. In fact, they made a much better offer. And despite Orr playing really well in the 76 Canada Cup prior to starting with Chicago, his time at the Blackhawks was short-lived. His knee injury limited him to 20 games in the 76-77 season, and he missed the entirety of the 77-78 season. He ended up retiring that year at the age of 30. And as for Eagleson, things didn't go too well for him. Aside from screwing over Bobby Orr, Eagleson was also convicted of fraud and embezzlement and would end up going to prison. Following his conviction, he was removed as a member of the Order of Canada and resigned from the Hockey Hall of Fame. So on January 9th, 1979, the Boston Bruins retired or as number four. Apparently, a lot of the evening's festivities did not go as planned because the crowd was cheering the entire time. But I love you all. Cheesy, Cash, Doki. Guys that are still here, this is a heck of a place. I love you, and thank you very much. Bobby Orr is the greatest player to ever put on the spoke to be. One final note, and this is just kind of fun to think about. If Bobby Orr didn't have his knee injury and remained with the Bruins, it's possible that him and Ray Bork would have played several seasons together, and what a pair that would have been.